Welcome back to the Wally Pit Podcast. I'm Ryan Upton. And I'm Jake Sweet Media. And we are back for episode number five of season three, presented by WOCR 89.1, The One, Olivet College's own student-ran radio station. And yeah, back to talk about some more baseball. Still kind of slow, picking up a little bit now that we're getting closer to the season, but everything is slowly but surely starting to fall into place. We're starting to get a good idea of what teams are actually starting to look good. And some interesting stuff has happened around spring training that has popped up on social media. I don't know if you saw the uh, Mets practicing their World Series celebration after a spring training practice, but I don't know how you feel about that. I don't know if you have any. Um, I think it's just like one of those things where they're just doing it to have fun and mess around. They're enjoying the Florida weather, spring training, and I mean they definitely have a good enough team to win a to potentially like win a World Series this year. So you know what, practice makes perfect. So why not have a little bit of fun in the spring training and have your hopes high for the season? I mean, when you put it that way, it doesn't sound that bad. I mean, I didn't really have a problem with it per se. I know a lot of people thought it was like the like most bush league, bush, bush like league, yeah. yeah, like little league thing that they've ever seen. And I, I definitely can see where they're coming from. I think that the Mets doing that was definitely not a good look. It wasn't for... 100% professional, no. But at the same time, like if you have guys like. Well, Jacob DeGrom in your rotation and Carlos Carrasco and Noah Syndergaard, even though he's injured. And you have guys like Francisco Lindor. You have guys like Dominic Smith, who's even up and coming and hitting bombs. He's a good hitter. You have guys like um, Pete Alonzo. Like, you have all these big-name superstar guys on your team. And, like, it doesn't I, – I mean, I'm not really too bothered by the fact that they went out there, had a little fun, messed around, and acted like they, they won a World Series. Screw it. I mean, if that's their mindset going into the season, then that's an awesome mindset to have. A world championship mindset is great, like is the best mindset, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I can agree with you there. Speaking of Jacob DeGrom and the Mets, I just saw something uh, earlier today, actually, on Starting Nine, which is uh, Barstool's baseball side guess, of their, yeah. their media. It was posted on Instagram. It was a thing about Jacob DeGrom, and it said, when you're the best pitcher in the MLB, the only person you can compete against is yourself and it was a graphic that they had on their game today of his average fastball speed from 2016 to 2020 and in 2016 it was 93.6 and then like the next year is 95.3 the next year after that it was like 96.8 and then 2020 was like 98.6 and then this year he's been consistently hitting like 101 102 the dude's just a stud. Like, he works – obviously, it, it shows that he works hard in the offseason and that he grinds and busts his butt. So, obviously, he's he's consistent, and it's it shows that every single year from 2016 to 2020, 2021, or whatever you said, like, each year he's been getting better. So, obviously, it shows that he's working hard in the offseason. There's no – like, personally, to me, like, yeah, you have Trevor Bauer, you have Walker Bueller, you have Max Scherzer, you have all these great other pitchers in the league, you Darvish – Blake Snell, the list goes on. But when I think of stud, like absolute best pitcher in the league, I don't know how you feel, but I think of Jacob Brown. No, I think he's the most consistent hitter, or I mean consistent pitcher in the MLB right now with some of the, like, all around his stuff, like his pitch for pitch. He doesn't have, like, oh, he doesn't have the best fastball. He doesn't have the best uh, changeup. Doesn't have the best curveball. But Mm -hmm. his pitches are all top three top five in the MLB to where oh, yeah. when you have all of when you have all of that combined you are probably you are the best pitcher in the MLB so like Obviously. he might not have the best one pitch but he has the second best changeup in the league where if you add a 
third best fastball, fourth best curveball, and the second best changeup. You have one of the nastiest arms right now. He's very well. Yeah, he's very well rounded. Um, yeah, and that's what makes him the best in the league. So, yeah, yeah, it's all, he's only going to get better too. So, and then another pitcher, kind of slash two way player that was a huge name and a huge had a lot of hype around him with Shohei Otani and then he kind of went down last year with Tommy John out like what almost the whole year he was there for like three at three games four games yeah Shohei Otani was like pretty roughed up last year and and in my opinion like he's a great pitcher don't get me wrong he and I mean I mean I wouldn't say he's a great pitcher but he's becoming a he's working his way there but for me I think Shohei Otani like should be an every like could be and should be an everyday like designated hitter for the Angels. Which is funny though, opinion. because I've well, I was watching the Angels game the other day on MLB Network and they were talking about it the other way. They think that he could be a starting pitcher, a real threat on the mound, but the only thing that's kind of keeping him back is his ability to stay consistent through offense. However, stay the healthy. top. The will stay healthy too. However, his pitching stuff is kind of like that's what he's was there for. But then he could also hit the ball pretty well. But this year, kind of why I brought this topic up is, I mean, he has just been absolutely mashing the baseball mm-hmm. and putting up you know, numbers that they want to see him be. Absolutely, yeah. And he, I know, I was watching a game the other day, and he hit two bombs, and like like two consecutive at bats, I think. Yeah, and it was like two days ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was a couple days ago. He's, he's been seeing the baseball really well. He's been hitting decent. Like, his average isn't, like, too bad either. No. So, he's, yeah. he's getting the job done from both sides. I mean, I saw him pitch a little bit, too, and his stuff looks really good. Like, his fastball is triple digits. His off-speed like, a, 50, a 10 to 15-mile-per-hour mile mile differential. And, like, so what he, if he makes pitches like that, you're obviously going to do good, especially if you locate and hit your spots. And I remember his last outing in, in spring ball, he had, like, five, like it was a few innings pitched, like, three innings pitched, five Ks. Not, like, not bad at all. So Shohei's obviously good from the pitching standpoint, but he's obviously been good from the hitting standpoint. Now you put him into the regular season, obviously, in the American League, he he's going to either have a pitch. Like, days that he pitches, he's not going to be able to hit. And nowadays that he that, that he hits, like I don't know how I don't know how that's gonna work. So say he doesn't like hits, he's a DH for that day. Like I don't think he'll be able to pitch because once you pull him, he's done for the game, right? Correct. You're, yeah, you're, you are right. So like that's a predicament the Angels are gonna have to figure out, and they're gonna have to figure out like how they're gonna wanna utilize him. But I don't think Shohei Otani is gonna have have an issue at all making an impact from your side, to be honest. Yeah. And I I agree with you 100%. I think that he he it's really just going to depend on what he can do more. And I think he honestly, if I were to be an Angels manager, general manager, I'd honestly yeah. think about talking about putting him in like a long reliever or even like a closer spot because his spot his stuff is definitely disgusting by a lot. But I just That's don't think true. he has the arm health and the ability to do both at like he. You have to realize that if he goes out and starts a game and goes seven innings, does really well, still throws probably close to 100 pitches, so he gets a day off, and then he's in the field for three days, which is still very tiring, and then has to go out and pitch again on that fifth day. That is a yeah, lot. Yeah, it's taking a toll on your body, for sure. Like, that's just a lot of work to do. So, and obviously, the more toll you put on your body, the more prone you're going to be for injuries. So, in my opinion, I think the Angels have a lot of thinking to do. They have a lot of 
sitting down and gotten notes and a lot of just a lot of overall they have to make some discussions and i think i, I honestly i've seen shohei otani hit more than i've ever seen him pitch and the guy can flat out hit but from what i've seen the spring so far like i've seen him pitch minimal his stuff's good and the angels have to make a decision on whether they want to where they want to utilize him obviously he's going to do both but there's obviously going to do he's gone he's going to do one thing more than the other whether that's hitting or pitching more than the former so i think the angels have some decisions to make but i don't i think he'll make an impact in uh both fields all right and then moving on to the topic that you brought to the table today was the 22 pitch at bat i know Mm -hmm. I saw that live, or I didn't see it live. I saw the replay later in the day after we got done with baseball, and I was sitting there talking to a few guys about it, just watching this like for the first time. And be like, I saw a twenty-two pitch at bat by um, I can't remember his name. He was on the match. Brandon Belt. Brandon, yeah. I saw one Brandon Belt made a couple of years ago. It was like 21, 22 pitches against the Rockies, and then Guillermo, uh, he's a middle infielder for the Mets, made a twenty-two pitch at bat. A couple days ago, but the, the thing was with him, it was against Jordan Hicks, and the dude throws 102, 103 miles an hour. And he was down 02 off rip. Yes, right, right, which yeah. was insane to me. Blew right. my mind because I saw it and I was like, okay, so he definitely got a few balls mixed in, but like the first ball was like four pitches into the at bat, and then he didn't get the last three balls until the last five pitches of the yeah. tw- of the twenty two pitches. Well, it was very competitive. He was just grinding. But, like he would, he would stay on the on the fastball. He would sit on the off speed pitch, and he literally would not go down. And it was awesome. Like, and that's why I don't care about the Mets celebrating, you know, a potential World Series championship or whatever. Because like, when you have guys like that that grab, like I, I've never heard of this guy before in my life. Like, yeah, I knew who he was, but like he's not a superstar or anything like that. But when you have guys who come off the bench and compete like that, you can be a little bit cocky. That's fine with me. Yeah. No kidding. It's really, it, and it's not every day you see a twenty-two pitch at bat turn into a walk, especially being down 0-2 in the count. No way. And like I, I was talking to some of the guys on the team, and they were like, "Do you realize that twenty Zach Walters or Zach Walter? He uh, he's a pitcher for the team, and he's a very he's a very strike-centered pitcher. Like his ultimate goal is I don't really care how hard I throw." My, I could throw 65, but I just want to get that ball exactly where the mitt is set up. And he was talking. He's like, I've had games here where I've thrown three innings with less than 22 pitches. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Which is insane yeah, I, because, like, you think about that, like, I'd say the average MLB inning for a good pitcher would be, like, 10, 15, 10, 10, 10 to 12 pitches, 10 to, 10 to 15 pitches. Yeah. So he had one batter have 22 pitches and that guy reached base. That wasn't even an was out. Like a, there was no – he got no reward from that besides throwing 22 pitches to one hitter for him to reach first base. Yeah, it's literally like a five, six, seven-minute bat. It's, that, that takes a toll on a pitcher. Yeah, that's a, so, that's that's, a lot yeah, of pitch. Yeah, it was very cool. Very, definitely wanted to talk about it because it's not something you see every day, and it, it was definitely interesting. And then the next topic I want to talk about before we get into the Tigers is who do you think is the face of the MLB right now? Um, that's a good question. I would say Fernando Tatis Jr. Just because of he's young, he's made like his rise to stardom has been like no other. Everybody knows who he is, and he's just a flat out grinder. Like 
when I think of Major League Baseball, I think of, or, uh, excuse me, uh, Fernando Tatis. And I think of Fernando Tatis because, one, he's young. He, he's giving a lot of younger baseball fans hope. He's also a grinder. He works he works his butt off every single bat. He's also a great hitter. You know, he is the epitome of a great hitter and also the epitome of a great defender. Uh, full glove caliber defender, um, silver slugger type of hitter. And he's just, he's showy. He's he's out there. He's different than anybody else because of how he, like, his swagger and his his, uh, his dress. You know, he's kind of like Javier Baez from the Cubs in a sense, who I would also say is kind of like a face of Major League Baseball. But besides that, like, it's tough because for me, I'm always, I've always been a Mike Trout guy because Mike Trout is just, he's, he's going to go down as one of the greatest players of all time because of, you know, his hitting caliber and his defense caliber, kind of like Fernando Tatis, but Mike Trout's an outfielder. But right now, I think Fernando Tatis just stands for so much more. I agree. I actually was not expecting that. I was expecting you to say straight up like Mike Trout. And that, my point that I wanted to bring across, I think this is a big year for that Trout face of MLB to kind of shift. I think this this year will be the year that if Tatis does what he's supposed to and becomes like that hitter and proves himself for his deal that he got this offseason and Trout just kind of does his same like 320, 40 home runs, 100 plus RBIs. I mean, the guy is just one of the best hitters I ever walk on the face of this. We're earth. used we're used to Mike Trout doing stuff like that. Exactly. And Tati and he doesn't Trout's not a flashy guy and he never will be. No, he's, he's humble, he keeps to himself, but that's also part of the reason why I like Mike Trout and has have so much respect for him because he realizes how good his game is. He doesn't need to brag about it. He he lets the action, like he doesn't need to talk the talk, he walks the walk. His actions speak louder than his words. Correct, and I could not agree with you more. I just think Tatis is a face of the MLB right now, and after this year, depending on what happens, I think it could either flip one way or the other, where Trout will still be the face of the MLB, or Tatis takes over, and it is the Tatis show that everybody and their brother is watching. It's going to be a right. it's going to be you a know, big every, year for that. And I think there's no problem if Fernando Tatis becomes that potential face of the MLB. Everybody respects him. Everybody loves him. There's nothing you can't hate anything about the guy. He's just, I mean, he obviously got a lot of rip for, uh, last year when he hit a home run or a grand slam on a three zero count in a playoff game, or whatever. But like you know what, it's playoff baseball. You shouldn't take any pitch off. Like and Fernando Tatis didn't do that, and I'm sure. Like, I remember after that incident when he hit a 3-0 grand slam, like, two outs, and the, or the Padres were already blowing out their opponent. Like, he got he got ripped, ripped down from his manager. And everybody in the major, like, in Major League Baseball, like Mike Trout, Tim Anderson from the White Sox. I remember Rookie of the Year Kyle Lewis said something. Everybody who stood for something in Major League Baseball had Fernando Tatis's back because in the postseason, there's no excuses for taking a pitch off, especially if you're a major leaguer. You've you've worked so hard in your life to get to this point. You've worked so hard to get to the postseason. You've worked so hard to become a major league baseball player. And you especially at Fernando Tatis's young age, like if you're gonna get a three oh fastball, hit it and rip it. It doesn't and especially in a in a postseason game. And after that incident happened, I lost so much respect for the Padres organization. Like I I lost respect for the manager. And hopefully the Padres just go out there and play gritty baseball and 
hopefully their manager doesn't like hold them back in any aspects because the Padres team has so much potential to be good. Yeah, and I agree. And I thought that what he did was the right thing. I mean, baseball is definitely not the sport that, like, it's changed a lot over the past few years, and oh, yeah. I think it's going to keep changing. Some rules, as we talked about last week, we're not the biggest fans. If you didn't listen to that podcast, go back and listen to it. However, there's a lot of things that are changing, and the style of play is changing, and it needs to change to an extent. And I believe what Tatis is doing is changing the game in a right way to attract yes. fans back to the to the game of baseball. Back to baseball. Yeah, absolutely. Baseball used to be America's national pastime. It's still called that. But honestly, if I'm going to be completely honest, it's probably NFL football. And it's just because that there's more of a following there. And some, honestly, sometimes I think there's more of a following in the NBA too with all these super teams and the big names like LeBron James and Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant, the list goes on. But baseball needs guys like Fernando Tatis to bring fan, the, the bigger fandom back to baseball. And I think I think uh, guys like him are doing the right things to bring these fans or bring more fans into the game. So I'm excited to see where that leads to. And um, for our last segment, you wanted to talk about the Tigers a little bit, right? Yeah, I got a few quick topics for the Tigers, stuff that actually uh, just went down earlier today. But first... Tigers are expected to have fans at opening day, and yes. it's only a thousand. I think it's like ten percent, fifteen percent capacity, which I'm totally fine it's, with that. It's, not, it's tough, but it, it's a step in the right direction, honestly. And but the good thing um, is, is fans are starting to be back in the in the stadium, so there's actually going to be that kind of like fan aspect interaction between players and fans again, which is a great sure. thing to see. And hopefully, we'll. It's stop. gonna be hard to get Tigers tickets. Heck yeah! I just don't. I don't see them. I don't see me being able to afford Tigers tickets for a long time until the until the capacity percentage gets bumped up Back a little to normal, bit. Normal kind of. Yeah. Yeah. But that's not. I know one thing I saw is the Rangers are having full capacity. Yeah, they're having a hundred percent capacity, which I'm a with little with masks. With masks. Correct. With masks, I'm a little concerned to see how that goes, but. That will be sweet, sweet to watch that game. Uh, It's going to be sweet. It's going to be awesome. I'm all for it, to be honest with you. Obviously, the pandemic is still a thing, and people need to be smart. But honestly, I'm so happy to have, like, I'm so happy and stoked to see a full, packed ballpark on opening day. Yeah. I, that's what I just want to watch that on TV. Like, we we haven't had a full stadium. The Super Bowl, the, the Buccaneers. Um, excuse me, <clears throat> the Buccaneers-Chiefs game. Like, we, there wasn't full capacity there. There was a few thousand people there. There was a few thousand people at, like, the Dolphins games and the Raiders games and the Chiefs games and the few stadiums that allowed fans over the season. The Lions didn't have fans. I know a few other stadiums. Uh, Green Bay had uh, maybe a little bit of minimal fans, but a lot of stadiums didn't have fans. And it's really cool to see, and this obviously goes for, other organizations, other leagues too. Like the NHL is not allowing fans at every stadium. NBA is not allowing fans at every stadium. But the fact that MLB baseball is going to be the first organization or the first um, professional organization to allow full capacity at a sporting event in a year or so is going to be ridiculous. It's going to be nutty. It's going to be an awesome time. Fans are going to be ecstatic. It's going to be, I think it's going to be wild. Yeah, and I agree. And then moving into spring training a little bit with the Tigers. 
Uh, the Tigers' Rule 5 draft pick, Akil Badu, he was uh, a Rule 5 pick from last year. I mean, the Rule 5 draft wasn't the same last year because it kind of occurred right when COVID started. So that got pushed back into December when it's normally like a mid-August kind of deal. Um, he is absolutely tearing up spring training, and he was one of the guys that was like, yeah, we're going to give you a shot, and most likely you're not going to succeed, and we're going to put you in, we're going to cut you and send you down to like, double a training and do that but the guy is just mashing the ball he's eight for 20 with two doubles two home runs seven walks and this is kind of push the uh push the button for aj hinge to allow make a decision yeah he's he's considering doing five outfielders this year according to bleacher report which is insane and i'm not i would be 100 percent for it to be honest because we don't have any consistency out of our team, and we're just trying to develop these young players. And if we can we develop, need to move guys around. yeah. And if we can put guys in two, three games a week, and have the other guys in two, three games a week, I think it'll work right. out beneficially. And then we're gonna get by the probably All Star break. We're gonna be able to figure out which guys are gonna be the starters for the rest of the year, and who's gonna be in uh, the minor leagues. And I'm, I'm all for it. Yeah, man, I'm excited to see uh, what the young Tigers guys can do, especially guys like Torkelson and Green and Manning and all these. Basically, the Tigers have one of the great, the greater farm systems in baseball, and I'm excited to see what they can do in the near future. And more, more, more so than that, I'm excited for opening day. Yeah, so, I got one. I got one more last thing before we sure. uh, end What's the up? podcast is. Uh, Miguel Cabrera was asked earlier today, actually, about what his stance on Hinch, like the new manager, A.J. Hinch, and the scandal with the 2017 Astros. And he basically said, or he did say, in quotes, that's BS. I don't care about that. And then went on to say, all I want to do is just win. Which That's, that's it. Uh, that's fine with me. The past is in the past now. Yeah, I mean, you and I used to talk about it. We didn't like what the Astros did. But overall, A.J. Hinch is a great baseball mind. He knows the game of baseball really well, despite this cheating scandal and whatnot. He has new guys in with Chris Fetter. There's a Michigan pitching coach. I'm excited to see what he can do with the pitching staff that also goes with the bullpen and the, the closer, whatever. I'm excited to see what the A.J. Hinch and his staff can do with the Tigers. And hopefully he can shut up baseball after the cheating scandal. He's my manager now. He's our manager now. I'm going to root for him. And Miguel Cabrera, is kind of, it sounds like he's in the same boat. Past is in the past now. AJ Hinge is our manager. I'm going to root for him. As long as he's in Detroit, I'm going to root for him because I want our team to do well. Exactly. And I think he's a good mind for young players. He did it with the Astros, as we've said multiple times before in previous podcasts. He's a good, he's a good guy for a rebuilding team to try to get them back into winning baseball. And I think that's a, yeah. I think that's a great way to end this podcast off. If you have anything else to say, say no, I don't really have much to say. Just everybody out there, keep wearing your masks, stay safe, and hopefully things will get better not sooner than later. Yeah, thank you guys for listening to the Wally Pit Podcast. I'm Ryan Upton, and I'm Jake. Have a great day.